Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So if you look at that exclusively, real estate agents were our customers. And as real estate agents were competing each other, you would start generating very bespoke reports. And the first one was the comparable market analysis. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Taran Sham and in this episode, we're back with Joe Rossi the National Sales Manager for National Property Group. He explains the story behind the companies he's worked in, the introduction of pricing information to the market and the method he used to get a small company snapping at the heels of the industry giants. Rossi is passionate about developing training programs to help property professionals gain insights into their business and investment decisions. As a property data systems and software specialist, he has a wealth of knowledge to share from the good stories to the not so good. I think the worst deal was buying off the plan in Balmain. Uh, it were, they were two-story apartments um, and a lot of stuff wasn't like the settlement, the handover and then the, the ongoing uh, problems we had with that particular block. Basically said, oh, we've had enough of this place, let's sell it and get out, right? Uh, and, and that's, we usually would hold longer, you know, like, like the hot, remember I said, I, I like to hold and, and if you're gonna make a lot of money, that's how you make money is if you look at the, the growth over a period of time and, and we'll get to what data and how you work that stuff out, you, 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 you hold in Sydney, you need five years, right? Whereas that property, we probably flipped after two and a half years, uh, purely because it was just too much trouble uh, uh, with maintenance and things like that. It, it could have been fine, but that was uh, uh, we've not we hadn't we were always buying older properties. Let's buy off the plan, just do it. We'll hold it, and then if the market uh, when the market goes again, we'll sell it, make money, and and we ended up doing it. Probably, we still made money. It wasn't a loss, uh, but not the sort of investment that we would have liked. Uh, the return that we would have liked. That's probably the worst. Um, the best was the um, the little. Well, I tell you what, uh, the Port Macquarie unit. I just I just invested in that, held, and I've still got it. 15 years later and it's been positively geared for the last um, five years uh, regular tenants barely any uh, maintenance on it it's been a perfect investment and just sits there my little superannuation sitting there and off it goes right so so I'd like a few more of those that that's for sure <laughs> you would have had phenomenal capital growth in there as well too yeah that's exactly right we bought under under 100k 
for a lovely two-bedroom unit walking distance to the beach. Having done a lot in terms of property over the years, he's well-versed in doing his due diligence and knowing the top tips and tricks. One is, is being present and on the market. Uh, so so you, need, you need, first of all... Um, I had good contacts with real estate agents where I wanted to, where I was looking. Um, I always drove around the suburb. So these are physical aspects of thinking about where. Now, sometimes if you're going uh, interstate to invest, you might not be able to do that. And that comes back to now, how do you work out what to buy before you actually go interstate? Because, you know, the... I was about to invest in Logan in New South Wales, uh, sorry, in Queensland as an example, because that was a big growing area. It was a real working class housing commission area that's starting to change because the rail that went down there, right? So, so they're the things that when I say be present in the market is just understand what's going on in the suburb. And then I, I was fortunate, I worked 25 years with my competitor now, is, which is CoreLogic. And I was able to gain, obviously I had access to data all through my working life. Um, so what I always did was one, look at the capital growth in an area. So I, I always took a helicopter view of a suburb. Uh, what does that mean? Um, you know, uh, is a suburb transacting? How many are transacting? Um, um, what's been the growth over, say, to five to 10 years, depending on your investment cycle? Um, and what type of properties are transacting and turning over? So all of these platforms, and I'll give a plug to National Property Group, gives you that insight on one report. So whether it's a neighborhood report or whether you do a sales history report, all of those, or you use the map and see where, where those transactions are. So all of them give you that insight. And so you can jump from one suburb to another suburb, to another postcode, to another LGA, really quite quickly trying to work out where the investment. He looked in the south inner city areas but decided that buying a house surrounded by apartments wasn't for him. I thought, well, the houses may not grow, but units are, are going up all over the place there. So, hey, if you plan on developing units, perfect. That, that's exactly right. And as, as people like my kids push out to those areas, because that's where they can afford to buy, right? That so I, I see those as growth, growth areas. Belmore, for instance, very, um, you know, um, uh, as as the migrant kids that uh, so the Lebanese community those sorts of communities that went went in those areas say 20 years ago uh, their kids are quite well off now right so they want to live next to mum and dad so you look at those areas and say well they're my growth areas and then I look at the stats and see whether um, that's panning out are, are we seeing flatlining and maybe you'll take a risk or is it is you growing over those periods? So that's that helicopter view of the suburb that I take. So if I'm finding properties now, I'm using that days on market on that property. Uh, we all know that the longer the days on the market, the more, the, the more desperate the vendor gets. And there's usually, look, two reasons why properties are not selling. Um, the first reason is price. 
the second reason is price. Because <laughs> you can sell anything anywhere in any condition if the price is right, right? So the longer they stay on the market, the bigger the fall. And we see that in the stats, right? Because, you know, um, the stints that I've had working so closely with real estate is the stories that they tell. And the, and and then we turn around and, and collaborate those stories with the data and you'll see a property come on the market, the agent's over list, overpriced. And you can tell that by looking at the sales and the sales history and you think, oh, that, that doesn't sound quite right. And, and you'll see the price is starting to fall and you'll get passed in at auction at, at week four. And, 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 then, and then it hits the, that hits the right price. After setting up REST with its co-founder and making its way into data, there seems to be a piece of the puzzle missing. As an open book, Rossi puts the pieces together. So basically, I sold out, as I said, for that paltry amount, which is killing me every day in my life. You know how people have regrets. I've only got one or two regrets, right? Having four children. And, no, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> and selling too cheaply. But anyway, uh, it was a recession that we had to have, 1994. I had two years restraint of trade, so I just did um, sales work and things like that and I my restraint of trade out of property management finished and I found a company called uh, micro development that did trust accounting software because that was in my DNA by then right um, so I worked for them for a year and a half and they got bought out by RP data I knew I could help them I knew that they needed help in New South Wales because they were a Queensland based company and so this is before RP data came along so I ran their software division in um, in New South Wales selling to real estate agents and running the teams there they got bought out and um, I, I went into the software division of RP data because what they were trying to do is own the desktop. So, so they had data, but they didn't have the trust accounting side. So I ran that for four or five years until they sold that off. And I came across to the data side, mainly because it's uh, I had the experience and uh, uh, of setting up databases and understanding data and how where the uses were. And so I was then um, sales manager for New South Wales. That was that that opportunity, and then then I got a national position, and then on it went. And uh, I I started thinking that uh, I'd have a rest from sales, so I became the trainer, national training. So I did the internal and external training, set up all. I had a team of ten trainers and customer success managers in there. So so that data and working with data and training data was always what I enjoyed and what I loved. When National Property Group came along. CoreLogic got taken over by large private equity group. So RP Data got taken over by uh, Macquarie Group. Macquarie Group listed again, compulsory buyout, sold to CoreLogic. CoreLogic then got bought out by private equity. And that private equity changed the culture to the point where it wasn't a culture of innovation anymore. It was a culture of just buy companies and see which ones actually uh, floated. So, and it just, wasn't fitting for me anymore, right? And so I thought I was going to retire. And then um, National Property Group 
just interests me. It was really perplexing. How could I get a small company uh, snapping at the heels of these big behemoth companies, right? <laughs> we're going to annoy the hell out of them, right? <laughs> That's what we're going to do is annoy the hell out of them. by, you know, a nice, simple product with good data um, and not getting too sophisticated on it, right? Because if you look at like, investor groups like uh, that you're involved in, Tyrone, what do they want? They want this historical data. They want to be able to find a property for starters that's in their, in their zone. He gives the background information on the major players in the industry. So 1994, you saw uh, RP data started by two Queenslanders in, uh, based out of Cairns. Uh, interesting background, those two Italians. Catalans, bloody Italians, you can't get rid of them, but they own concreting business. But what happened was is that um, they, it was concrete mixing, you know, um, uh, they deliver con wet concrete. Um, and Pioneer and Boral came into the market and they colluded. Uh, and it was the first um, prosecution of the new price colluding laws. How interesting is this? So they won the case, the two brothers or the one brother, uh, and um, he went off to the States looking for a business to buy. And, and he came across, a, uh, 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 he looked at uh, a company called First American and they did property data over there. So he basically licensed the platform and brought it over here. Uh, which was the first platform that delivered data via a modem. You can imagine uh, you, uh, people, real estate agents sharing their fax machine. Remember when modems first came in, right? You shared your fax machine line. <laughs> this was in 1994. It wasn't internet-based. It was basically um, dumb terminal-based, text-based uh, uh, data coming through. Um, we were selling floppy disks and delivering uh, updates once a month. They had it online delivering updates in real time. So basically that RP data, real big innovators. They were, uh, they, they were the first with mapping. They were the first to go online with pictures. They had people walking the streets, taking photos before Google uh, took their street views, right? So you could see the front uh, photos. This was in 2004 when digital cameras were gaining popularity. Then in 2006, PriceFinder came along and used council records. Another Queensland-based company, basically coming out of the Ray White organisation. So um, Ray White, Tom White being a nephew of the Ray White family, funding funding a real estate. You can imagine how that happened, right? Council records. The VG companies didn't start. The VG government didn't start giving us feeds till uh, 2001 council records had uh the transactions and the uh the owners it remember i was talking about the the films they were doing that they were doing the microfiche but delivering it via modem having updates basically daily right we used to type up the uh, we used to give it to them on a monthly basis so we were a month out how did that impact your business well they basically stole our database and i gave up if you can't beat them, go and join them. That's basically what I did. 
Coming up after the break, he explains the role of photography in real estate. We had teams of people that were paid per um, photograph. All about love-hate relationships within the industry. Valuers hate RP data, they hate MPG. He reveals a little bit about his future plans. It's an example where just signed a deal for DA applications. And that's next. I'm Tyron Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Struggling to get detailed property historical information when doing your due diligence for your project, whether you're buying, selling, or developing? As a listener of the Property Investory podcast, you can get access to National Property Group's data at a special price for a limited time. When you sign up, you'll not only get access to up to 40 years of property data across Australia, such as on the market details, suburb profiles, market insights, and automated property valuations. In addition, you'll receive unlimited expert support, training videos and use of their industry-leading mapping platform. Simply use the code PI10 to get 10% off the current rate when subscribing to National Property Group's data. So, visit nationalpropertygroup.com.au to redeem your special offer today. Because he has so many different roles and found that technology and its usage evolved, these aspects helped him in his journey. So if you look at that exclusively, real estate agents were our customers. And as real estate agents were competing each other, you would start generating very bespoke reports. And we'll call, uh, and the first one was the comparable market analysis. Very bespoke, real estate agents would bring them along and um, show them to prospective vendors to, to manage their price expectations. And was that report previously available to agents prior to CoreLogic or RP data being available? Not at all, no. So basically, agents never really had this additional tool. They must have just gone in by... Just lists, come in with a bit of paper. This is what I think. I, I, the first agent that came into my place to, to sell, sell a property, he measured the rooms and did a square meter each, which the US still use quite a bit price per square meter. It works when you've got uh, large markets in the US where basically every house is the same and then it's which which house is bigger or smaller, right? We had teams of um, people that were paid per um, photograph. They just go out in the streets and then we'd have teams inside taking straightening the photos up and 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 matching the number the hardest thing was matching the property because if you imagine they had books and if they just got one number out all the photos were out in the street right so so it was a big project insane but that's how this guy who started rp data was quite revolutionary uh and uh, so he was first with the CMA, first with the photography, first with the mapping, right? So, um, which again, I'm going to give NPG a bit of a plug because they were there around 98, 99 now as the New South Wales players, our, our competitors with a map, with photos at the same time. Now their photos came from their Realtor magazines, Right, so that was their physical magazines, and then bringing that into a database. So in New South Wales, NPG um, have had these things as long as RP Data, and had the mapping um, almost as long as well. 
In the 1960s, National Property Group was a cooperative of real estate agents who got together to share their listings. Back then, um, buyers were very rare. Lots of listings, no buyers. So they basically had uh, a system called multi-list and they would have books And Tyrone, if you've been to our office, I know you have, Gary's probably shown you all these archival things that we've had, right? The listing book, the Realtor magazine. So the cooperative then became not only um, a listing engine, it was also uh, an advocacy, it had membership, and it was a, you know, they would get together and network and do those things. And they would share their listings. In other words, hey, I've got a listings, have you got any buyers? So an agent down the road would have other people, an open listing, and you would sell someone else's listing. So if you, you could actually start up as an agent and not have one listing and still get uh, make a buck by selling other people's listings. And, and it was that, that, that type of environment where you'd share commission. Much like how video killed the radio star, the internet had a similar effect on real estate listings. As the internet came along and realestate.com and domain, it just wiped that whole process out. Just like the digital and versus newspaper has wiped out, right? Uh, it it happened sooner in real estate but they they had all this data so they developed the platform which was red square and red square was sold exclusively to their membership so doing a cma being able to do the history all the things that we've just spoken about you could do within red square but it was only new south wales based and unfortunately when you've got this this corralling how do you, uh, the investment wasn't there to move it into other areas, to move it international. So if you look at RP data, one of the biggest RP data moves was to move into the banks and valuations that the banks use. And I'm going to come back to um, the spread of data and the spread uh, outside of real estate into the finance area. And the banks suddenly realized that they could save a shitload of money with valuers by doing the primary valuation on a desktop via the data. And hence the, the genesis of the auto valuation model, the AVM. So the AVM is, a, is just an algorithm that compares like for like and spits out a number that, it, that can be quite accurate and can be a great guide. So the banks use that AVM before real estate agents because real estate agents and valuers were threatened by the AVM. Valuers hate RP data, they hate NPG, but they use it. It's a love-hate relationship because they use the data to do the valuations as well. It's the industries that turn the valuation industry on its head, absolutely on its head. So banks using it suddenly turn around and uh, if banks can use it, well, hang on, developers can use it and and general investors should be using it, right? So you've got this whole um, ecosystem of data now being available to everybody. Wow, that's a really interesting backstory in history. And then how did that cooperative become National Property Group? Where, where did that turn? Because initially, as you said, it was only New South Wales data. I think um, one of the problems that uh, they were experienced was was losing their membership. And you had some key people inside 
the EAC group that understood the value of the data. Um, we have Don Harb that's been here for 20 years as an example and seen this growth through and he saw the value and he wanted uh, investment in the data and the cooperative couldn't. So Gary came along and said, look, I'll, I'll buy the data business off you. Now, he has since bought the EAC model uh, over as well uh, in the business because it's got a really good forms engine um, that we're trying to expand nationally as well. But essentially, uh, Gary's um, investment allowed us to go into Queensland, into Victoria, and we've just signed the deal with Tasmania. And I think we've just been just recently approved with South Australia. So, so suddenly we're national um, and we can now do those national franchise deals, which we couldn't do before. Uh, and when I said snapping at the heels of CoreLogic and PriceFinder, I, I really believe that um, when you look at, say, PriceFinder and what they're doing, their focus is on the listing portal because they're owned by domain. Um, when you look at CoreLogic, their focus is on the banks because that's where most of the revenue come in. So we can really fit really nicely with a pure focus on the data and real estate industry, developers and investors. It, it, it suits us really well. That's where we see ourselves fit really well. Do I need this or do I don't need this? Uh, why don't I have this access? So, so we've, we're, we're, we're going to stay with the philosophy of, hey, one platform, make it simple and give you as much data as you can uh, and, and, and need, right, uh, to, do, to do either your investment or development. That's what you want to do. You want to be able to find it, analyze it, build what sell if you're developing or, or hold and, and invest, right? EAC originally stood for Estate Agents Cooperative, but now it's no longer a cooperative. The initialism now stands for Estate Agents Community. They are our ears and eyes. They provide a lot of data to us. So as an example, we talked about the value our general, and that's really bland data. But where the richness of the data comes from is from the agents listing when they sell the property. Right, so suddenly we keep, if you look at our data now, we've got all this history of photographs of the property, but not just the front door. You walk in and you see the bathroom and the kitchen and you see the backyard, right? That's all coming from agents. Uh, you get the rich descriptors of it. So that is the CMI, the current market information. You can scroll through the photos, but you can't search on the floor plan, right? So, so just identifying and we just look, uh, that's our next project is just use a bit of AI because uh, you can always identify what a floor plan looks like. It's not that hard, right? The algorithm's not that hard, right? So, so that's the next nice thing that we put in. Uh, as an example, we just signed a deal for DA applications. So if you're if you've got and you know there's a DA application on that property, that's sometimes good, right? Or maybe maybe oh that DA was three years ago, consummated and they've renovated. Um, for as a developer, it's probably too much. Uh, they've overcapitalized on the property, right? Just simply the map alone saves the developer an enormous amount of time because a developer is looking for position. 
The developer is looking, uh, is it flat land or is it on a, a hillside because we have contours. So if you know how to read a contour map, if they're close together, you know it's on a cliff, right? <laughs> so that, so that, that makes your decision. Or maybe it's on top of the hill and it might have a view, so it's even more desirable, right? So all of these things are data points that I can do from my desk, get a whole lot of the analyze and research done before I get in the car and then do the drive, right? So you can... You know, I, I think finding properties is is excluding properties quickly, right? And getting that shortlist down. That's that's the bit that takes a lot of time is the exclusion part. If you met yourself, say, 10 years ago, what do you think you would have said to him? I'll be bolder. <laughs> I am so conservative, it's not funny. Just be bolder. Obviously, within within your finances and your capacity and all those sort of things have got to be really careful i i don't recommend anyone look i i i present to a lot of these forums and and people will come up in the meet and greets and you know the tea and coffee moments and they ask me should i do this should i do that unless i know that those per those, their personal circumstances i just can't recommend it but for me I always say be a little bit bolder because I could have probably uh, stretched out a little bit further uh, and made even more because we're in it to make money. We're not here, uh, you know, and to, uh, you know, I'd love to leave a legacy for my children as well. There's nothing wrong with that, right? And and investing and making money and, and, and passive income is so good, right? Um, I, you know, I, I can retire early if I want to because of the passive income that we've built, right? So, so absolutely be a bit bolder when you've, when you've got the chance, right? I'm already in mum and dad bank. <laughs> my, t- my first two boys have already tipped their toe in and bought property, right? So that's what we want to do. Looking forward to the future? Rossi has exciting plans for both his personal life and his career. I think um, my work life is get this uh, business national and and get a, a rhythm and a cadence of, of 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 revenue and making sales. That's that's what it's been missing because of the cooperative. It's almost coming into a public service. <laughs> that's a three hundred k deal. Why aren't we concentrating? <laughs> that that excites me and and just building the team and training the team involved in that. That's that's my work. Look. Uh, um, uh, my pro, my personal life. Uh, I've, I've got uh, my project that I'm right in the middle of it. We're at the stage of, uh, I'm using Pinterest and taking photos now of how I want the place to look. Right, so that internal space. What's a, and I'm, I'm driving around looking at granny flats now. <laughs> so that's the development side. I'm really excited about that, and um, you know, uh, and that's going to give me the means to buy my um, rural property that's not going to be an investment it's going to be a hobby you know just that leaf ch- that uh, what is it that green change uh tree change sorry we're keen gardeners so we want a tree change we've got a bit more space so that's that's for me you know in, over the next couple of years anyway oh we're doing a, a, a cycling trip uh, in new zealand uh, uh the otago rail trail that that's i'm looking forward to that as well you've t- achieved quite a lot of success you know not only in your personal life but also your your work career and so forth and you know you've got a really really good um i guess 
experience in, in your career there, how much of that success has been due to your skill, intelligence and hard work and how much do you think has been through luck? I think um, in respects of starting that business, that was happen chance, right? Sliding doors moment, make a decision, yes. But I think um, the, the rest is uh, uh, that drive of wanting to do something uh, and what and I'm always I'm always a what's next I treat everything I do as my own personal uh, business so while I'm here uh, uh, and while I was at RP data and then core logic it was always my business division or my business that I'm trying to work so and and I think that uh, that plays into it as, as far as intelligence goes who knows how smart people are right? You know, I, I've seen what I thought were really dumb people be really successful, and it's it. I, I don't play on intelligence. It's it's luck. It's hard work and attitude, really. You know, and that's how I. I think attitude and what's next is how I recruit people as well, right? You can be successful and treat people quite well, right? Make them work. Make them work hard. That doesn't mean you treat them badly, though. <laughs> that's what leadership is, right? Thank you to Joe Rossi, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. Are you struggling to get detailed property historical information when doing your due diligence for your project, whether you're buying, selling or developing? As a listener of the Property Investory podcast, you can get access to National Property Group's data at a special price for a limited time. When you sign up, you'll not only get access to up to 40 years of property data across Australia such as on-the-market details, suburb profiles, market insights and automated property valuations. In addition, you'll receive unlimited expert support, training videos and use of their industry-leading mapping platform. Simply use the code PI10 to get 10% off the current rate when subscribing to National Property Group's data. So, Visit nationalpropertygroup.com.au to redeem your special offer today.